Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, welcome back to Truer Love Stories. If you follow this podcast regularly, you know that most of our episodes are me anonymously coaching a guest about some love-related issue or question that they generally are currently going through. However, today's episode is just me. Being that it's June, which is my birthday month, it felt appropriate for me to do a reflection episode where I can get a little more personal about my own love story and talk about the things that are going through my mind right now in the dating and love space. And so today I'm focusing on a topic that has come up a lot lately in both my own coaching practice and in my work as a matchmaker. So for those of you who didn't know, in the past few months, I have started working with a matchmaking company called Talkify. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y. So really it's pronounced Talkify. And what I do there is that I send my clients on dates with various people who I think could be a good fit for them based on what they're looking for and also based on my own sense of who I think they could work well with as a relationship expert. And one issue that just keeps coming up in both of these spaces is the issue of attraction. Now, I hear about this concern all the time, of course, with my dating coaching clients, but I see it on a whole new level with my matchmaking clients. See, Talkify is a blind dating service, meaning that the people going on the date don't see any photos of each other before they meet. They only know what we, meaning me and the other matchmakers, tell them about their date. And we'll describe them as best we can, but they can't actually see each other until the date. And this is because the philosophy at Talkify, and this is a philosophy that I fully support, is that there's a lot more that goes into what makes someone a good and lasting partner than how they look. And the thing is, when we use typical dating services, like a dating app, for instance, one of the biggest factors in our swiping right is how they look, right? That's why people have photos in the first place. Now, if someone's done their photos well, those photos will also share something about their values, their lifestyle, and just give you a general sense of their energy. They're like a slice of life, right? A picture says a thousand words. And so there is a lot to gain from having those photos. However, when we have someone's photo at our fingertips, so to speak, we are definitely and heavily weighing how attractive we think they are, right? And while attraction is, of course, important in the sense that we want to get close to this person physically, ideally, and we're generally looking to procreate with the people that we swipe on the apps with, not everybody, but a fair amount of us, that makes sense. However, I think that there's way more layers to what we're considering attractive than we realize. And it's actually quite interesting to send people out on a blind date and observe how they react to the person I've sent them out with. 
After every date at Talkify, we have them submit feedback where they rate the date on a five-star scale and give us specific information about what they liked or disliked about the person. And it's amazing to me how upset some people get when I send them on a date with someone that they think is unattractive and or uninteresting. Some people have gotten literally enraged and totally offended that I could think they would be attracted to such a person. And it really made me wonder, where is this rage coming from? Why are they so deeply offended by the idea that I thought that they could be attracted to this person? And so I started looking back at my own dating life as a way to help me understand it a bit. And I started to consider what I found attractive about various people that I had dated. And I realized that I think, especially when we have insecure attachment styles, and this can definitely happen with people with secure attachment styles as well, but I think it's amplified with someone with an insecure attachment style, that we project how we want to see ourselves and be seen onto the people we are attracted to. We project who we believe we are or who we want to be onto the people that we are attracted to. So I'll give you an example to explain what I mean by this. So there was a guy who I felt super hard and fast for back in the day. I met him in a yoga class my friend used to teach. So, you know, it didn't hurt that I saw him sweating with his shirt off on a weekly basis. He was definitely hot, if not a little bit skinny, but it was more than just his physicality to me. He was a screenwriter who had actually gotten a script sold to Paramount that had a big star attached, and he was also friends with some celebrities. So he seemed pretty successful, smart, and artistic. And at the time, this is exactly the type of person I longed to be. I had studied theater in college with the distant dream of becoming an actress. Now, mind you, I had never really acted like at all, but I grew up in LA and actresses represented the kind of person I wanted to be. They were artistic, successful, worldly, and of course, beautiful. So once I got to college, I ended up acting a little bit, but I more enjoyed, you know, the directing and producing. So I came back to LA thinking that I wanted to do something, you know, related to the industry. I continued taking some acting classes. I wanted to direct or possibly write. But once I was on set and actually doing that work, I hated it, especially on set. It was like very long and boring hours and it felt like a boys club to me at the time. There were just way more men than women and most of the geeky guys were just hitting on me all day. And so that's when I transitioned into makeup, which is something I always had loved and that was still glamour adjacent, like the industry, right? It was still part of the industry and the whole vibe. But I still wasn't yet the person that I hoped to be. I hadn't become the person that I really hoped to be yet. And so it's no surprise to me that I found myself attracted to other artistic types. I was constantly dating writers, directors, producers, and photographers who were all these artistic people, you know, all this type of person. And granted, I was also attracted to them, but I think what made me more attracted to them was that they put off an air of something that I wanted to be associated with, you know? And so this is why I believe people get so upset when I pair them with someone unattractive or who they deem unattractive or uninteresting. 
because they don't want to believe that I would see them as those things too. That's what I think. And I think that this is often the root of who we feel attracted to, or at least influences it heavily. But the truth is that there's so much more that goes into attraction than just someone's physicality, and especially at a deep and genuine level, right? Because all of that is ego. All of that is ego. That's not actual physical attraction. That's ego. So taking this a step deeper, something that I think is relevant to mention and to think of from an attachment perspective is that Dr. Sue Johnson is a famous couples therapist who created a model based on attachment theory called emotionally focused therapy. And this model is based on the idea that you can trace every conflict or friction in a relationship back to an attachment issue. And I'm actually currently taking her program to become certified in this mode of therapy. And she mentioned something in a recent lesson that I thought was really interesting. She said that there are three components to a romantic love relationship, attachment, caregiving, and sexuality. And that the second two components, caregiving and sexuality, stem from the first component, attachment. So I find this extremely interesting because what it means is that attachment is our most basic need in a romantic relationship. And that when you have a secure attachment, it leads to more connection in these other two areas. And I love this. I totally love this. I think it explains so much, both in what I see in my clients and in my own experience falling in love with my husband. And I think that that story is a great example of this. See, I wasn't 100% sure that I was attracted to my husband when we first met. I had seen his profile on Tinder, and I was intrigued by him for sure. Uh, I really liked his style. And again, I like to think of myself as a stylish person, so it helps. Part of my attraction is if someone is also stylish. And there was a depth and a sweetness in his eyes that I really connected with. And I really appreciated what he said on his profile as well. However, he wasn't the type of guy I was usually attracted to on a physical level. I mean, I dated a lot of different kinds of men, so he wasn't wildly out of the box, but there were some things that made him distinctly different. For instance, most of the men I had been dating around that time were from different countries, and I usually dated men of a different race or ethnicity than myself. They were often free-spirited artistic types who lived alternative lifestyles, which I thought was very bohemian, but which is actually code for they were all over the place and didn't have their shit together. Well, on my husband's profile, one of my favorite things he said was, I have my shit together in a really good way. Definitely not my usual jam, right? But in addition, he was also a bigger white guy from Atlanta with a huge beard. I had never dated anyone who looked like him before, and I wasn't sure if I would be attracted to him. But I remember thinking in that moment, right before I swiped, I was thinking about one of my recent, let's call him lovers, because he was that and I was in love with him, but we were never in a quote unquote real relationship. But he had been an old friend of mine who I had grown up with. And I had recently, you know, in the past couple of years, seen him differently. And he's someone who I probably would have never, ever, ever, ever swiped on had I come across his profile on a dating app. In fact, I had seen his dating profile and I know for a fact that I would not have swiped on him. 
He dressed kind of funny. He had a silliness about him that I didn't find necessarily super attractive in his photos and that I feel like could like kind of come off as weird on a profile. And he was a bit of a bigger guy as well. And, you know, back before this, I was dating my yoga man, right? I was dating people who usually had athletic body types, who were thinner and who were kind of more quote unquote, traditionally attractive. There were some people in there who were not, but the majority of them were. But I thought to myself, if I could be so attracted to this friend of mine, who I would not have swiped on on a dating app, then perhaps I should give this big white guy with the big beard a chance. Plus, he was a beauty photographer, which I was super into, right? He checked some of those boxes of mine in terms of what I would be attracted to because of my own projection and how I want to see myself, right? Someone who's artistic, someone who dresses well. So I swiped on him. Okay, I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode and want to be able to apply the process I use to coach my clients for yourself, that process being learning to identify your needs and speak up for your needs as a way to determine if your partner can meet them, then you may be interested in taking my Conscious Communication mini course. This two and a half hour course has four short lessons that go in depth with attachment theory and how to use it to communicate most effectively with each style. This means communicating in a way that will either help you get closer to your partner or help you more quickly determine if they're not the right person for you. What I teach in this short course is the foundation of all my coaching work. It's about how to get your needs met so you can have a more satisfying, secure, and lasting relationship. This course is normally $99, but I'm gifting all my podcast listeners $25 off when you use the code COMMUNICATE at checkout. To receive this special gift, just hop on over to my website at truerlove.com, click on the Love Guidance tab, and scroll down to the Conscious Communication mini course. There is so much information packed into this mini course, so if you're interested in learning how I work with my clients, this is the perfect way to start. All right, now that you have all that info, let's get back to today's episode. And it turns out that my now husband had super liked me as well on Tinder back in the day. I don't know if they still do this, but you can super like someone. And he had super liked me. And so he wrote to me quite quickly. And I honestly don't even remember what he said because we didn't talk that long on the app. In fact, I think our conversation may have dropped off for a bit for a few days as it goes on the dating apps. And then I think I may have randomly picked it back up and he suggested we meet. And after years of you know, being on the dating apps, I realized that the best way to get to know someone is if you actually meet up in person. So we went and met up at the local peasant, which was the gastro pub near my house at the time, where I honestly took all of my online dates. And we both arrived wearing black leather jackets, which should have tipped me off that we were aligned. But, you know, he was lovely. The conversation was pleasant and engaging. There were no awkward silences. And overall, it was a great date. I remember being genuinely interested in the conversation and in what he had to say, but I still wasn't sure that I was attracted. And at the end of the night, he walked me to my car and I told him that I probably wouldn't be available until the, after the new year. This was December. And, you know, because I had a lot going on. And what was really going on was that I was hung up on a guy from, 
Congo that I had met at a sex party and was hoping we'd spend New Year's together. But I didn't tell him that, of course, at the time. But I also told my husband that I wasn't a good texter, which is not true. I am a very good texter. But I told him that I only use text to make plans, but that otherwise I'm better in person or on the phone. And I said this last line because I was super over chatting with guys via text where we would have like weeks of conversation that went nowhere and they never made any effort to see me. Or we'd like see each other once and then go back to just texting every day. I was just fed up at the time of that. And so I had never, you know, been this bold or or like set this boundary before on a first date about don't just text me aimlessly. But it made an impression on my husband. He thought I was super self-possessed and confident and it made him more curious about me. And he also wasn't sure that I was into him or if and when we were going to actually see each other again. And yet the following week, I was going to a Russian restaurant with my friends that they had been raving about. And then we were going to go karaoke. And I thought to invite my husband along because I thought, what the hell, I'll bring a date. And he was a nice guy. You know, it, it felt like the kind of night that I should have a date for. And he was a nice guy and I enjoyed his company. So I didn't really think about it more than that. Then at the restaurant, he was sitting next to me and, you know, he's easing into talking to the group and, you know, chit chat here and there. We're all kind of drunk by the time he got there and he doesn't drink. So it was funny. Well, funny to me. Point is, at one point, he nonchalantly puts his arm around me, like on the back of my chair. And I realized to my surprise that it felt kind of nice and that I liked how his arm felt on my chair and that I could feel my body language kind of like moving towards his a bit more. And I suddenly felt a little more attracted to him being closer in his space. And from that night on, we ended up having three more dates. The last date was at his house for dinner. And at this point we had kissed and made out a bit, but that's all. And just Note that I don't think I ever went on this many dates with someone without sleeping with them. And I walked in and I felt a feeling wash over me that's kind of hard to describe, but I felt like I knew this house already. This house just felt warm to me. I really liked it. It was decorated well. It was homey. He had like clearly put some thought into it. He had like splashes of red in different places And I would later learn that he actually went to Ikea earlier that day to get some extra pieces in anticipation of my coming over, which I think is hilarious and so sweet. So anyway, he made me a great dinner. He got me a little bottle of wine because he knew that I liked wine. And we're kissing on the couch and he puts his hand on my leg and I could tell where it was going. And suddenly I just freaked out. Everything in my body froze and I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue. And so I very abruptly and very awkwardly told him to stop and said I wasn't sure if I wanted to be romantic with him. He will remember the actual phrasing. I don't know if I actually said romantic or if I said I wasn't attracted. I remember I felt really bad in that moment. But looking back, I think I started to have a panic attack, basically. And, of course, he was wonderful and told me we didn't have to do this and that I was worth waiting for. He told me I was worth waiting for. Never heard a guy say that to me before. But I left. And two days later, I called him and I ended things with him. But curiously... I found myself not wanting to get off the phone with him. I was over explaining myself as to why it wasn't going to work. And I just kept talking. And at a certain point, he told me that it was getting awkward and he was going to get off the phone. And I remember my heart sinking and feeling quite sad about it, that we were hanging up. And 
from that point on, I just couldn't stop thinking about him. Every day he entered my brain in these quiet little moments. And I kept hearing this internal whisper, he'd be good for you. He'd be good for you. And I'd be like transported back to his house and just this feeling of warmth. And I knew he would be good for me. And yet I was terrified to reach back out to him and then hurt him again because I'd still feel the same way. I was terrified I would still feel the same and hurt this wonderful man again. Seven months went on this way. I saw other guys in the interim, one of which was the guy from Congo who I was still really hung up on, but who at a certain point I realized it wasn't going anywhere, and I ended things with him too. And saying no to him, I think, is what made me realize who I wanted to say yes to. And I decided to finally get the nerve up and text my husband, who at the time, of course, was not my husband, and see if he wanted to have dinner at my house this time. And I was so nervous for his text back, and it finally came. And when it did, it reminded me what I had liked so much about him. He said he was surprised to hear from me, but pleasantly so. And I would later learn that I heard him pretty bad. And yet, there was no resentment in this text. No punishing me the way that I thought he might from my insecure perspective. He was honest, but still kind. And I was excited to see him. And note that this was a very secure response for him to have. And that his response reassured me and made me feel more secure. So that night he walked in dressed super cute in a button down and a paper boy hat. And when he took off his hat, I realized that he had shaved his head, which I found very sexy because I have always had a thing for guys with a shaved head. And I myself wore a scandalous dress thinking that if we'd have sex that night, then I would know for once and for all if I was attracted. That was my thinking behind what I wore. And now he tells me he was wondering why I was wearing so little clothes. But anyway, we had a lovely dinner. And then we were sitting in the kitchen having watermelon for dessert, at which point I broached the subject of our breakup, for lack of a better word. And I asked him how he felt when I ended things with him. And he said that he wondered if I was going to bring that up, because if not, he was going to, because he thought that it had to be addressed. And so anyway, we had a very honest conversation about why I ended things and how he felt about it. And I realized in my explaining things to him that it wasn't so much about if I was attracted to him. It was part of it, but it was rooted in that I was slightly turned off by how available he was. I thought I was going to walk all over this guy because he liked me so much. And the fact is that I knew he liked me. I had no question in my mind that he liked me that much, who I actually liked back. There was no friction, no chase, no stress or sweats about if he'd call me. Those were the signs that usually told me that I liked someone up until that point. But he didn't make me feel that way at all. And so I didn't know that I, I didn't know how I felt about him because I, that, I was used to that feeling. But something shifted within this conversation. When he responded to me, I saw his strength in a new way. I saw more of who he really was in that vulnerable moment. And so in essence, our breakup and then our ability to repair our relationship made me feel closer and more connected to him. And as a result, more attracted. We didn't end up sleeping together that night, but we simply watched TV on the couch, holding hands with my head on his shoulder, and we had a simple kiss goodbye at the end of the night. 
in fact, we wouldn't sleep together until one week and two more dates later. And overall, we went on eight dates before actually sleeping together, which is the longest I've ever dated someone without sleeping with them. But in the end, I think the fact that I wasn't immediately attracted to him actually worked in our favor, especially given my anxious attachment style. Because usually when I have sex with someone, I get attached really quickly. And had we slept together before we had built the trust that we did, I probably would have gotten way more triggered and way more insecure earlier on. And this is an important point to know about attachment. We connect through moments of vulnerability. This is what attachment literature calls repair. When we've had some form of disconnection and are then able to repair it in a moment of vulnerability that comes after a moment of stress. So if you think about the idea of people who are trauma bonded, this is why. They were under some sort of stress together, which made them feel more connected. Now, there is some trauma that can separate people, especially couples, namely the death of a child, if that couple's grief gets in the way of their connecting, and if neither of them can really show up for each other because of that grief. But overall, some stress in a relationship is healthy and generative and necessary for a relationship to thrive. This is how intimacy is created. And the problem we run into when we have an insecure attachment style is that we avoid vulnerability like the plague. We don't want the other person to see us as needy or weak. And so we shy away from speaking our truth to the detriment of our relationship. What if I had never tried to repair things with my husband? Well, I wouldn't be where I am in my life right now, and I definitely wouldn't be here talking to you. So my point in sharing all this is that there's a lot more that goes into attraction than simply how someone looks. And so it sometimes takes a minute before you can know if you're truly attracted. Now, of course, there are going to be people who you're immediately attracted to, But that fact alone doesn't make them a viable partner, right? Sometimes they'll turn out to be a good partner for you, but it's possible that that immediate attraction can blind you to seeing who they really are as well. And this is why I really try to encourage my clients to be more open to people, even if they're not sure at first. And you know what? It works for them. I've had clients who have gone on multiple dates with someone they really like but aren't sure if they want to kiss them. But once they kissed them, they were surprised at how much they enjoyed it. And from that point on, attraction wasn't an issue for them. Now, this isn't always the case, and I'm a good example of that. I kissed my husband a few times before I ended things with him, and it took more than just kissing him for me to realize that I was attracted. And look, I'm not suggesting that you should force yourself to kiss someone that you're not interested in at all and just see if something develops. What I am suggesting is that attraction is made up of more than just physicality and more than our egos, and that we really want to look for signs of attraction in other areas as well. For instance, do you like their energy? Do you like what they have to say? Do you enjoy their company? Do you like what they do? Do you admire how they live their life? Do you like the way they think or their opinions on things? On paper, my husband and I don't have a ton in common. He's a sci-fi geek and I'm a California hippie. He loves football and I really couldn't care less about it. In fact, I used to actively not date someone who liked football. But we think the same way. 
he often will say something that I'm thinking and vice versa before we say it out loud. And we read each other's minds like no one else can. We also share the same values and perspectives and share a vision for our future. All of this is what makes me incredibly attracted to him. And it's not stuff I necessarily would have come to know about him had I written him off on that first date based solely on how he looks. Nowadays, I can't touch my husband enough. I can't get close to him enough. We cuddle every morning and every night. We hold hands everywhere we go. And his arms are quite possibly my favorite place in the world. And we have a great sex life, in case you were wondering. So my message to you today really comes back to that old trusty lesson. Don't judge a book by its cover. You never know what story is living inside. I'll leave you on that note, my friends. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you got a lot out of our episode today, I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll spend the time talking just like my guest and I did, getting you clear on what's blocking you from having the relationship you really want. All you have to do to book this free call is hop over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab, and you'll see the option to book your clarity call right there at the top. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you could rate and review it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore to stay up to date with tons of love and attachment information, resources, and offerings. You can also take my free attachment quiz that you can find both on my website and my Instagram page. All right, I think that's all for now. So until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.